Welcome to So What Do You Think, a podcast where we discuss weird and unsolved mysteries and events and give you our completely unprofessional opinion on them. I'm Jay and with me here is B. Hi. So tonight we're going to tackle quite an infamous case, one which people have sort of stewed over for the last hundred years now. What do you know about Lizzie Borden? I'm going to say nothing, but I feel like I... I would be surprised if you didn't, to be honest. I know the name, but I can't think of why. Well, Lizzie Borden was a 32-year-old woman who was tried for the murder of her father and stepmother in Fall River, Massachusetts in 1892. Nobel's ringing a bell. Yeah, the name's pretty, like, that's something. And it's a name that's, you know, out and about. Yeah. Why are you going so far back? Going back, going back far in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah. She was tried and ultimately acquitted for hacking them to death with a, like a tomahawk. Okay. A hatchet, hatchet, as they say. Yeah. Recognise her name, recognise her face, just not putting it all together tonight. But, yeah, let's say I know. Um, And I do sort of the whole axe thing rings a bell. Yeah. It might start making, like, coming back to you as we talk about it. Yeah, yeah. So, like I said, she was ultimately acquitted, but there's always been suspicion that she was actually the culprit, but she got away with it due to being an upper-class, rich white woman, basically. Now, the case itself has become part of folklore and there have been many movies and plays and all sorts of things made of it. In fact, you know, the house which it occurred is a tourist attraction now. You can actually go stay there. They do, like, ghost tours and stuff like that. Still standing. Yeah, still standing, yep. Wow. Yeah, they've kept it exactly the same. So you can actually go and yeah, see no. No. Yeah. no. That's a no. That's a no from me. No, nah, no. Nah. I did the ghost tours in Port Arthur. Oh, yeah. Um, and I don't know if I've ever shared the stories with you. So we'd been there during the day and then went back a couple of nights later for the ghost tours. You go up into like the old um, quarters where the soldiers and their families and stuff would stay um, and they were pretty much exactly how they were then. And my family, knowing like how freaked out I get with this sort of stuff, thought it would be funny to nominate me to be the lantern bearer. Excellent. Um, so there was three. Uh, someone had to be the lantern bearer up the front and in the middle and out the at the end. Um, and I'm pretty sure I got to be the one at the end, um, which... Really, you want to be the one in the middle. Yeah. Because you don't want to be the last one in a room and you don't want to be the first one in a room. Um, yeah, and it was creepy. It was really, really creepy going into, like, the old um, soldiers' quarters, into the old prison cells. It was really, really, really dark. Yeah, don't do the ghost stuff at <laughs> I'll do. I'll go to houses, like, during the day but not at night. I um, did the ghost tours of the rocks in Sydney you walk around and do the lantern light tours and that and look at all the old murder places and that sort of thing. So, yeah, I loved it, though. I love that sort of stuff. Daytime, yes. Nighttime, no. No, it was nighttime. It was fun. Um, so I would 100% go into the Lizzie Borden house and check it out. I don't know that I'd sleep there. I wouldn't want to sleep in any of those places. <laughs> there was one point where we were walking along this, like, area where there was just lots and lots of trees on one side, really tall trees, and to the right was just this big grassed area. And on the other side of the grassed area 
was the Broad Arrow Cafe, mm-hmm. if, uh, if I'm remembering correctly, which was where the massacre was. Yep. Where the massacre was, where Martin Bryant yep. shot all those people. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, and walking along and I see something at the corner of my eye running towards me. Oh, my God. And Yeah, no, I'm serious. <laughs> And I screamed oh, like yeah. a girl, like high pitched scream. <laughs> it was a really, really, really big possum. <laughs> Saw it out the side of my eye. So I'm carrying this lantern and I scream loud like a big girl. <laughs> and then the possum freaks out and then bolts the other way and runs up a tree. <laughs> but it did it, it happened so quickly that no one else saw the possums. <laughs> like, what the hell's wrong with I just thought you were randomly freaking out. Um, yeah. So <laughs> there are some serious creepy vibes in that place. Um, I'll bet there I are. imagine, like, yeah, there would be some in a house where that happened. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's it. I mean, to be honest, I don't really have a need to go to the USA, but if I did, I'd definitely have to do the ghost tour stuff. So. All right, well, let's set the scene of the actual crime. Lizzie Borden was born on July 19th, 1860 to Sarah and Andrew Borden. Her family was rich, like seriously rich. He ran multiple textile businesses and had a lot of property. Despite this, he was a massive tight ass and refused to spend a penny of his money, any more than he needed to anyway. At the time of his death, he was worth the equivalent of about $9 million in today's money. So they had a nice house, but it was modest compared to other rich people of the time. Um, For example, he refused to get indoor plumbing and he said it was just a waste of money. So like it was, he had the money, but he didn't want to spend the money. Now, Sarah died in 1863 when Lizzie was very young. And three years later, Andrew married a woman named Abby. Now, despite the fact that Abby was essentially the only mother that Lizzie had ever known, she really did not like her. She refused Abby, to call her. Lizzie didn't like Abby? Yeah, Lizzie didn't like Abby. Okay. She refused to call her stepmother and instead called her Mrs. Borden. She felt that Abby had only married her father for his money. So in the lead up to the murders, things were pretty tense in the house. Andrew had been given money, giving money to Abby's family and still gave nothing to Lizzie or her sister Emma. Eventually, he relented and gave the sisters a rental property, but for some reason they ended up selling it back to their father and making a profit. I don't know whether it was just a way of giving them money without, like, making them have to work for it maybe. Now, Lizzie had had a fight with Andrew earlier that year because she had been keeping pigeons in the barn and she, like, built them a roost and made made them like pets and she was feeding them. Andrew wasn't happy with this, so he went and, and killed them all by decapitating them with a hatchet. Something that really pissed Lizzie off, I'm sure. And it was said that Lizzie had a really, really bad temper as well. Now, not long after this, tensions got so bad that Lizzie and Emma took a vacation just to get away from the house from a little bit, pull down, clear the air a little bit. Now, Emma had not returned yet, but Lizzie had returned a week before the murders, but she didn't actually go straight home. She opted to stay in a rooming house for a few days just before she went home. So things were not like all happy families at the time. In the few days before the murders, everyone in the house had been really, really sick with what sounds like a gastro bug. It is possible that it was food poisoning as they had left some mutton out for a few days and they just like continued to cook with it. 
But at the same time, Abby said that she thought that they had been poisoned. You see, Andrew was not well liked in the area. Sounds like he was quite a horrible person. So I suppose they assumed that he might have enemies. In the days prior, Lizzie's mother's brother, John Morse, had been to visit. He had been asked to come and discuss business matters. Um, I think that it was something to do with a joint venture that he had with Andrew as far as like property went, um, something to do with a property transfer. It wasn't a friendly visit. They ended up having a yelling match at each other. But John arrived the evening of the 3rd of August and stayed the night. I suppose like in, back in those days, like you travelled a long way to get somewhere. Like you can't just jump in a cab and go, go to a hotel or whatever. Like if you've gone to someone's house, you pretty much have to stay the night. The next day after breakfast, he and Andrew got down to the business and that's when they had their meeting that ended up in yelling. John left the house just before 9am to go visit his niece um, and then he had planned to return back for lunch before he went home. Andrew left the house just after this and went for his, his general everyday walk that he would go for. So left in the house was Abby, Lizzie and their maid Bridget Sullivan, whom they called Maggie. It seems as though both Lizzie and Emma called her this because their last maid's name was Maggie and they couldn't be bothered to learn a new name. They were just like, oh, you're a maid. The last one was Maggie, Maggie so you're Maggie now too. Ew. Um, isn't that like the devil wears Prada? Didn't they do something like that? You're the you're the next Emily, you know? <laughs> like this was so... Yeah. Nah. Nah, exactly. So I don't yeah. think we're dealing with very nice people here. No. Bridget spends the morning cleaning the windows. Um, it's not clear really where Lizzie was exactly, although we will go through that later and talk about where she says she was. So Abby's upstairs sometime between 9 and 10.30. She's making the guest bed up because obviously John stayed there last night. And at some point, somebody walked up to her, looked her in the face and hacks her in the head with a hatchet until she dies. We know that this happened. We know that the first hits were in her face. So she was looking at the person. Then she falls on the floor and they sort of finish her off in the back of the head. At 10.30 a.m., Andrew returns home. And for some reason, his key won't work on the door to the house. So he knocks and knocks and Bridget comes down and opens the door. She notices that it had been jammed shut for some reason. Now, Bridget would later state in her testimony that once she opened the door, she thought that she heard Lizzie laughing and it sounded like it was coming from the top of the stairs. Now, some people say that anyone standing on the top of the stairs would have seen Abby laying in, in that bedroom because there was just like a clear line of sight in there. Of course, Lizzie denies ever being upstairs and says that Bridget was mistaken. So Lizzie says that Andrew asks where Abby was and Lizzie told him that a messenger had come and given her a note saying that Abby was to go and visit a sick friend. So for all she knows, she's gone out to visit a friend. She doesn't know where she is. She says that then she helped him remove his boots and helped him to lay down on the couch for, couch for a nap. Side note, in the crime scene photos, he's still wearing his boots. So that was a little bit weird. After this, Lizzie tells Bridget that there's a sale happening at a nearby shop and says that she can go and see it if she likes. Bridget isn't feeling so good, though, so opts to go and have a lay down instead. And she, her bedroom is on the third floor. So Bridget goes upstairs. She rests until about 10 past 11 when all of a sudden she hears Lizzie calling out to her. Lizzie calls out, Maggie, come quick. Father's dead. Somebody came in and killed him. So she flies downstairs, sees Andrew on the couch dead. 
he had also been attacked with a hatchet. His wounds were actually still bleeding, showing that the attack had only just happened. So at this point, everyone's just like, oh, my gosh, what the hell? Lizzie says randomly, she goes, oh, my goodness, Bridget, I think that I just heard Abby get home. Go upstairs and see whether she's upstairs, which was a bit weird to say as well. So Bridget goes upstairs, finds Abby on the floor. The body is discovered. So then we have a double homicide. So what do you think so far? She freaking did it. Yeah, it sounds pretty uh, clear cut at the moment, doesn't it? Yes. <laughs> um, what? Oh, my goodness. I think <laughs> I just heard Abby ho- get home. Quickly, go upstairs and get yes, her. And dis- discover the bot- body for me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. By golly. <laughs> By golly gosh, this sounds like it's an open and shut case. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So police have questions for Lizzie, obviously. Obviously, apart from Bridget, she was the only one there. So surely she had to have heard something. Lizzie said that she hadn't because she had actually been out in the barn looking for some fishing equipment for an up and co- upcoming fishing trip. So... She reckons that she was out there. She stepped back into the house and found her father dead. Now, they're not sold on this, though. They're like, "Mm mm-hmm, yep, right, sure. And a week later, Lizzie is charged with the murders. She pleads not guilty and is remanded to jail until June the following year when her trial begins. She is ultimately found not guilty, though, so is released eventually. So did she do it or did she not? Let's look at what we know. So we'll start with the case that she was guilty because obviously there's some stuff. Now, for starters, I think we need to mention that she was pretty much on the police's shit list immediately just because they didn't like her attitude. They thought, this chick is a bitch. Apparently she was very calm as well. Like they say that she never shed a tear, even though her dad had just died. Okay, she may not have liked her stepmom, but she just found her dad dead didn't cry at all. And, you know, look, yes, you'd think that a 19th century upper-class lady would have not coped well with finding her father like that. He was an asshole, though, so. He was an asshole. But I guess, like, you've got to think. It's funny. I've been watching, um, I've been re-watching Downton Abbey lately. So, like, I've got these images of these, like, old-fashioned ladies, um, mm. you know, that just would swoon if they saw something like that. Like, I think the police were basically surprised that she hadn't fainted you know what I mean like how could a woman see this horror and just stand there calmly you know Mm. so you know yes that is a question why was she being so calm when she'd just seen that however shock is a thing and it does make people sort of act like they are calm when they're not she did say she wasn't feeling well though so maybe a delayed reaction there Now, the murder weapon was found. Actually, they found two hatchets and a hatchet head with a broken handle, and that was what was suspected to have been the murder weapon. Um, Lizzie's story seemed to be a bit all over the place, and she said that she heard various groans or calling out or scraping noises, and then she changed her story to say, no, she didn't hear anything. So I think that the police were just like, what the hell is this woman's deal? Why can't she keep a story straight as well? So now... It could be a sign that she couldn't keep her story straight, of course, but it also could be like her mind was really scrambled because she just had all of this trauma happen. Something very disturbing comes out pretty quickly, though, 
Um, and it is discovered that in the days before the murders, Lizzie had attempted to buy prussic acid, which is a poison. I think it's like an arsenic sort of base poison. But the person selling it was like, no, I'm not selling that to you. Um, she said that she was going to use it to clean a sealskin cape that she owned, but the jury's out as to whether or not it could actually be used for that purpose in the first place. So it sounds as though she didn't actually get the poison from that person at least. This led to police looking at her a little bit closer and her story and I guess eventually charging her as well. Now they look into her story of being down in the shed looking for the fishing gear. Um, she said that she'd been there for about 20 minutes. Then they discovered when they had a look at that, that the heat would have been ridiculously hot in the barn that day. Um, so they went down there and were like, there's no way that anyone's standing down here for 20 minutes without passing out, let alone like a woman with all of these clothes and that sort of thing. So they weren't sold on that story either. That is just their opinion, though. They don't know her constitution, whether or not she was used to doing that sort of thing. And an opinion really isn't evidence either. They also looked into her story of receiving that note that had asked Abby to go visit her friend that day. They couldn't find any evidence that anyone had ever sent the note. So that seemed to have been a bit of a, well, I suppose a lie, either that or whoever, whoever sent the note was just lying about it. Then, of course, they discovered that it was not a happy household, shall we say, which I'm sure fueled the suspicion as well. So mm. I guess they're kind of putting together a picture. And, of course, you know, there was the fact that there was no evidence of a break-in either. Bridget was outside washing windows. John, John was in town. Andrew was out for a walk at the time Abby was killed. So it would have been very convenient of a time for Lizzie to commit this crime, knowing where everyone was at that time, you know, knowing that she had a window. So, like I said, there was no sign of forced entry into the house. Now, the Bordens had this really, really weird habit, apparently, where every time they walked through a door in their house, they would lock it behind them. So they would literally go from room to room, locking doors. So the doors in their house were always locked, which is bizarre to me. But, I mean, this makes it even more weird that, um, you know, nothing was broken into. So not only were the entry doors to the house not broken into, the door to the rooms that they were found were not broken into either. So that didn't look good for Lizzie either. We also need to consider the fact that there was like a good 90 minutes between Abby and Andrew's murders. So this means that the killer must have hidden in the house somewhere during this time. Either that or they left and came back, which would have been incredibly dangerous. And you would have had to completely fluke the time that you came back to get Andrew there in the right place in the right time. Um, one last thing that didn't look good for Lizzie was that she was seen by a neighbour burning a blue dress in a fire a few days later. When she asked why Lizzie was burning it, she said that it had been stained with paint. Now, interestingly, someone had seen Lizzie earlier that day and said, and they had asked what she was wearing. And she and this person, I think it was a neighbour, had said she was wearing a, pink, a um, blue dress. So the dress that Lizzie burned was blue. But the dress that Lizzie was wearing and that was presented as evidence of what she was wearing in the, in the trial was a blue dress, but it was like a party dress, like something that you would not have been wearing around the house, just doing day-to-day -day chores. So that doesn't look good for her either. So 
So there's a lot of circumstantial evidence here. Um, there's a lot of things that sort of start to put together a narrative, but it is just that. It's circumstantial. There's no actual evidence in this situation. So what do you think? I think she did it. Yeah, you reckon all that circumstantial evidence means something? Yeah. Yeah? I don't know. She was going to buy poison. She didn't like the dad. She never liked the mum. The fact that she was hacked in the face, mm. like was there were, like injuries to hands, arms or anything? I don't think so. I think it was just like it must have been quite a surprise, like which That's also what, suggests, yeah. you know, that she knew who it was because. Yeah, because she wasn't. If someone was coming at you and you were looking at them mm. and you knew they were going to attack you, you would have injuries like on your forearms, on your wrists, mm -hmm. on your hands, because even if it was a quick attack, your natural instinct would be to cover yourself, protect yeah, yourself. Hands up. Yeah. Whereas by the sounds of it, it just looks like it was straight to the face. Mm-hmm. And then um, fell over and was finished off on the back of her yeah, head. Yeah. 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 So no defense wounds or anything like that. Um, yeah. And it looked like like Andrew had been sleeping when he was attacked. Because mm. um, all of his injuries were right in the face. So mm, mm. yeah. The fact that yeah, the dress stuff, um, a history of money problems. Again, yeah, not liking the stepmom, the the message to see a sick friend sounds like they couldn't find the messenger, the message, or a sick friend. And I mean, sure, yeah, you know, like if she had friends and one of them was sick and she was murdered, her friend would have been like, "Oh, she was meant to come see me." Yeah, yeah. Um, you know what I mean? It like no one else to corroborate that. Yeah, yeah. The yeah, the blue dress, the burning of the blue dress, the evidence of the blue dress, which definitely wasn't a normal blue dress that you would wear unless you were going out somewhere fancy. The getting the sister to go and find her. There's just too much stuff that is too yeah, convenient. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, and I guess like the alternative is that someone was in that house with Lizzie and Bridget and didn't attack them. Which is again why I just attack them. Yeah. And not the other two. And it's risky. Or at least one more of them. And it's just far too risky. Yeah, to hang around for 90 minutes in between the two murders and just hmm. just hope that you don't get discovered, Pop I guess. To the kitchen, make a sandwich, go yeah, to the why not? room, have a nap. But oh, better get on to that second murder. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh I mean it was a big house. There was probably places to hide, but it's just risky when you know that you've got people in the house. Like you just don't know what room they're going to go into. So yeah. 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 Look, the first thing that stands out to me though, that kind of puts a little bit of doubt in my mind is that whoever did this would have been covered in blood. Like it was a gory, horrible murder. Both of them were. Um, we will put the photos up just because just like the Jack the Ripper murders, like their photos that have been out there for a long time and they're old and black and white. So um, I'll put them up there. Um, they're pretty graphic. Uh, this was a horrible crime. She 100% would have been covered in blood and she never appeared to be. So that was strange. And, okay, yes, she could have cleaned up her clothes. and But, you know, does that mean that she stayed 
covered in blood for 90 minutes in between the two murders? Or did she like get changed and then change her clothes again? Like the clothing of that time was pretty involved, right? To put on, <laughs> on and off. So I'm feeling like it wouldn't have been a quick task to quickly get changed. But I think that she probably, yeah, I don't know. She, if she was covered in blood, she would have had to have got changed because remember, we've got her being seen by Bridget letting uh, when Bridget let her dad in and then she went and took his shoes off and all of that sort of thing someone would have noticed if she was covered in blood after having killed her stepmother you know so that was strange to me that I can't explain you know it's not like she could have just jumped in the shower either we know that they didn't have indoor plumbing so did Bridget think she did it yeah I I'm not sure. We will mention that a little bit later. We'll come back to that. So, you know, I feel like you would have not only had blood all over your clothes and your body, it would have been in your hair as well. So, you know, it's not like she could have easily gone and washed her hair and then someone would have noticed that her hair was wet when they came after yeah. he was found. So, yeah, I don't know. And then wouldn't, but wouldn't there have been like blood throughout the house, blood leading out the door? I just don't see how someone has come in and done that. Yeah, but they also didn't see blood trails, I don't think, from the rooms either. It was like it all just happened in the one room and then that person just, like, dematerialised. Yeah. Because the murder weapon was not found in the rooms. It was found in, an like, a shed or something like that, I think, or in the basement. So, yeah, I don't know. That really doesn't make sense to me. I had to laugh, though, because... When the police did like, and they did a pretty shit search of the house. I think it was a case of like, oh, these people are upper class, you know, it won't be them. So we won't try too hard. It must have been an intruder. Um, They did do a fairly sort of basic search through the house and they did go down to the basement and they found a pail of bloody rags and they were like, what's this? Oh my goodness, it's bloody rags. And Lizzie was like, lol, I'm on my period. And they're like, okay, I don't need to know anymore and probably just about, you know, ran screaming from the room when she said that. So they didn't question it any further. So we do have this pail of bloody rags downstairs. So there's that. I'm yeah. so thankful that we live in a time where we <laughs> yeah. do not have to do that sort of stuff. Yeah. And her doctor did testify to the fact that it was that time of the month. So that backed that up. But it would have been easy to, you know, clean yourself up, clean up, you know, your skin and that sort of thing and chuck them in there with it. So, you know, there's that. Interesting, the thing that seemed to drive her acquittal was not a lack of hard evidence um, because, you know, I don't think that stringency was that high back then. I think it was a matter of point your finger at someone and, yep, they did it. I mean, the fact that she seemed to be the only one there Um, would have been enough I think usually Mm. but no the thing that did it was the public's opinion on what a well-bred woman should be like so the trial mentioned literally that a woman just did not have the anatomy that was conducive um, to swinging an axe it was just physically impossible for that to happen Um, they were known to have underdeveloped muscles and short arms and poor coordination Therefore, it was physically impossible for her to have swung an axe multiple times. 
Go on, say it. <laughs> Mate, if she was on her fucking period and was pissed off enough, I'm telling you she could have found the muscle strength and coordination <laughs> from somewhere deep inside. Yep, that deep burning rage. Did my sigh give away my yeah my feelings yeah oh goodness um don't get me wrong yes probably true in the sense of okay women no not all women because yes yes an upper class woman in that time hell no would they be doing that sort of stuff yeah a poor woman probably would be able to swing an axe no problems yeah yeah you know because it was different they lived in you know, the slums and they needed firewood if they were lucky enough to have access to firewood, you know, like, yeah, different people, different classes, definitely. Um, it wasn't like it was a big axe, though. Like, this was a hatchet. You're like, But also, yeah, um, when you were saying axe before and they were like, a woman couldn't swing an axe. I'm like, but an axe and hatchet are different. Yeah, I mean. I, I struggle think- with a big axe. yeah. I mean, I can pick it up, but, like, I don't know whether I'd be killing anyone with it. It'd be pretty bloody hard. I'd probably, like, just donk them on the head and they'd be like, what the hell? Yeah. (laughs) I'd, like, lift it up and then I'd, like, fall backwards. (laughs) Fucking axe myself or something like that instead. (laughs) Oh, well, shit. (laughs) Whoops, that didn't work, did it? Um, No, but a hatchet is um, smaller, different. Yeah. Yeah, but this is literally, I think, how she got off because, you know, it's the fact that, a woman was in all ways inferior to a man, which meant that it was impossible that she could have killed one. Yeah. <clears throat> all right. I'm telling you, a man's yeah. never experienced the <laughs> rush of hormonal rage when someone pisses you off during that time of the month. I'm not saying I've ever murdered anyone with a hatchet during. I should bloody I'm hope bloody so. Hell, the thoughts possibly maybe been there once or twice, like, yeah, sh- shut up, just it's something as simple as like you're breathing too loudly (laughs) plus she'd been raised properly as a lady so she had good breeding so it was like impossible that she was capable of violence right (laughs) I mean it's ultimately this that led to a unanimous vote being impossible um you know and she ended up walking free so her wealth and her upbringing yeah her um, hey, well, you know, ladies. not much has changed really when you think of some of the people that get away with crimes these days. Not usually women, though. You do need to question motive, though, I think. And I think although Lizzie seemed to be generally unhappy with her father and stepmother and her life in general, by the sounds of it, you know, it is a push to go to such a horrible murder, I think. But some people have speculated that there may have been sexual abuse, but there's never really been any evidence to suggest that. It's just like, people spitballing I think yeah now it was pretty well known that Lizzie was actually gay um, although you didn't talk of such things back then it was just known I suppose Um, another theory is that so she was having some sort of relationship with Bridget (laughs) that's interesting because I was just like did a little google before because I wanted to see if I could see this crime scene photos and then um that by the looks of it there's been a movie about them yes about it yeah and there was like a picture of does it have Chris, Kristen Stewart in it, I think? Um, it's Chloe Savigny, I think. Oh, I saw someone and they were like two girls kissing and I'm like, what's this got to do with the murders? Yeah. That makes sense now. 
I think that that movie actually took the theory that she was actually having um, a relationship with Bridget, which is one of the theories. Bridget. Um, Wait. The maid. The maid. Bridget Maggie, yeah. So, you know, and maybe she was discovered by Abby and she had to silence them. Um, I don't really buy this, though, because, like, Lizzie couldn't even do her the service of calling her by her real name after two years of working for her. So No. <laughs> I just feel like perhaps no, you know. Mm-hmm. Bridget actually did end up going on to marry a man as well, so I don't think she was that way inclined. Now, Bridget did have, uh, allegedly, I should say, had a deathbed confession. This is what we're going back to you were asking before. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, and she actually said that she changed her story to protect Lizzie. So, you know, there's that. Also, Lizzie did end up giving her a sum of money and sent her back to Ireland after it all happened. So that's a little bit dodgy, I think. So I always ask the question as well, like we always carry on about, oh, Lizzie was the only one there. It had to be her. But what about Bridget? Like, could she have been the murderer? She was there as well, right? She gets pretty overlooked, I think, given that, you know, she was the other person there that day. But again, motive, what would the motive be? Why would she want to do that? You know, it's pretty severe to actually murder someone quite brutally like that. Maybe Um, she was doing it for Lizzie and that's what the money was for. Yeah, maybe she, yeah, I never thought of it that way. She like hired her as a hitman. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know, thoughts on Bridget, whether or not she might have done it? um 50 50 the only question the only reason she for me the only reason she would have done it was if she lizzie paid her to do it yeah and she may have been more capable of swinging an axe being a peasant yeah yes I mean, she was there. Working class peasant scum. No, I know. (laughs) And she was there like cleaning windows, right? So surely she would have seen something happening at some stage. So, yeah, I don't know. I think that that's a maybe for me. Yeah, yeah. So I think think there's there's evidence that could, like, there's the implication, maybe. Mm -hmm. Money got sent away. Yeah. You know? Yeah, which could have been hush money as well, like you actually know what happened and you're going to keep quiet about it. You yeah, know? and it's going to be better if you're not here anymore, so just go back to Ireland. Yeah, exactly. Um, but when she did her deathbed confession, did she specify what happened or she just said she no. changed her story? And this is all allegedly too because, like, the story of the deathbed confession is not confirmed. So yeah. it could have just as likely been something that someone's made up over the years as well yeah. to fit the narrative. So Yeah. And why would you say, unless you like literally left it till too late and it was like your last breath, mm. so you all you got to say was, I changed the story to protect <laughs> Lizzie, yeah. but then didn't get to specify how you changed the story because why would you confess on your deathbed by just saying oh yeah by the way I changed the story that I told the police but then not actually specifying the truth yeah yeah we need more details really to yeah. be able to um, you'd be like wake up bitch <laughs> yeah breathe <laughs> <laughs> yeah well we do have other suspects to talk about though firstly we have David Anthony who was a young man who was apparently trying to court Lizzie now if she was gay that would have been quite a challenge I'd imagine <laughs> um yeah (laughs) quite the challenge to court a lesbian (laughs) yes 
one I'm up for. <laughs> he was a lot younger than her too. So, yeah. Now, look, just because you're a lesbian doesn't mean you can't get married. We know that people do these things, back, in, especially back in the day, you know, to keep yeah, things I know. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know whether or not Lizzie was down with the, whole, with the idea of marrying this guy, but apparently Andrew refused to give permission for him to ask. So, um, you know, the, the theory is that he was pissed off by this and he killed him. Um, now, this theory started when a nurse by the name of Ruby, Ruby Cameron said that Lizzie had told her this is what happened. So I don't think there is any proof, though, that this is accurate. And, you know, remember that Abby was killed first, not Andrew. So I don't know. That's um, one of those theories that's up in the air. Yeah, but why would she tell a nurse that and not the police? Yeah, I know. Why would you tell anyone Especially that? Especially if you were the one being charged. Yeah, and he, if he loved her so much, how can he let her go to trial without confessing for her, you know? Mm. Yeah, I think it's a no from me. Although that would be a good motive. Like that's finally a motive that I could probably get behind, you know, is someone not letting me marry the woman I love, you know, that sort of thing. But, yeah, I don't know. I just don't think we have enough evidence for that. The next suspect is Dr. Seabury Bowen, who was the Borden's doctor who happened to live across the street from them as well. He was first on the scene once the alarm was raised which some people say could allow him to like remove a murder weapon or something. He apparently had a soft spot for Lizzie and would accompany her to church regularly, un unchaperoned. Um, also someone witnessed Dr. Bowen and another man flying along in a carriage like they were attending an emergency or making a fast getaway um, right after the murders were committed. Now to this I say like, how can he have been in a carriage and the first person on the scene at the same time. Just seems very far-fetched to me. Like, I don't know, that just sounds like something that someone has made up. And, like, why kill, why kill them if he had a soft spot for Lizzie? That makes no sense either. So next we have John Morse, who was the uncle that was visiting at the time. So like we said before, we do know that he had a failed joint venture with Andrew and they had argued that morning. So while we have no evidence, at least, you know, we have a potential motive. Mm. He was confirmed to have visited his niece, though. So people did say, you know, yes, he did go and see her. So I just feel like that rules him out. Like he can't have been in two places at once. Mm. So motive, but zero um, evidence at all. And, you know, he's got an alibi as far as I can see. Mm. Then finally, we've got Emma, Lizzie's sister. It said that she too had been denied permission to marry a man who she actually was in love with and that made her angry and she came and killed, killed them because of that. But she was out of time at the time, out of town at the time. So I'm sure police confirmed that. It does make me question though, like why was Andrew such an asshole, you know, and why did he not want his daughters to marry? Maybe there was some sort of, like, I don't know, abuse thing going on there. I don't know. What do you reckon about that? Um, Maybe. Or maybe it was a fear of losing them as well because he lost their mother. Maybe. So, and then that could maybe also explain why he wouldn't give them money and things like that because if he gave them money and he let them marry, then either they could go off on their own and they didn't need him anymore or they'd have a husband to help support them maybe yeah but he was just so horrible to them like you think that i don't know i mean everyone's different everyone has how their did she mind. die again 
she ends up dying of an illness at an older age. No, so. the, the mum. Oh, the mum. Um, it didn't say actually how she died. Just that um, Lizzie was about three years old when she did. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the other one. The other one. Wait, was there just one sister? There was one, a just one sister. daughter. Yeah, just Emma. Yeah, there was a sister. <laughs> Never mind. Because <laughs> so I was going to say, if there was a sister, and then she died in childbirth from the sister, that could do the whole like mental. Weird. Yeah, her sister was older than her, though, so Lizzie was the youngest. Mm. Um, look, the evidence on all sides is pretty thin at best, I think. I think that given the time, there was just not really enough evidence gathered to truly make anything a certainty. Um, I think that things to me that, are, that stand out are that, A, Lizzie had proximity. She was there. We know that she was there. She had the keys to the rooms you know, all of that. Um, B, there's no evidence of an intruder at all. And also, you know, the whole dress thing is very suspect to me. Like that's the thing that I sort of focus on as far as the evidence goes. Um, why, why say that you were wearing a party dress that day if not for the fact that that's the only other blue dress that you own and you know that you've been seen wearing a blue dress that day, you know? Um and the fact that she burned the other dress because it had paint on it. I mean, paint, really. Come on. You know? What was she painting? Yeah, what was she painting? What colour was the paint, you know? I don't I think... You, I bet you it was red. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. And, like, the person that witnessed it obviously never saw because she just saw her with a folded-up dress throwing it in the fire. Um, and it's weird that she burned it in front of someone too. That doesn't make sense to me. You think she would have done that in private? Um, and then there's the bucket of rags. I mean, that is a really convenient way to hide cloths that you've used to clean yourself up after you've been covered in blood to me. As I've said, the only thing that gives me pause is the lack of blood all over her. But if she cleaned herself up and put on a new dress, then it's possible that no blood was seen because it just wasn't proper to ask a lady to be examined in that way back then, you know. Um, and she was, you know, upper class and mm. she was quite um, forthcoming in her opinion. So I'm sure she would have mm. said if she didn't want somebody to look at her and that would have been the end of that. So, yeah. So final thoughts on whether or not she did it. I have to go with, yeah, because there's just not really anyone else. No. Okay. Andrew was an asshole and everyone hated him, but did anyone actually hate him enough to kill him? Mm. And his wife. Yeah. And his wife as well. That's it. It's both of them, isn't it? Just the way it happened, particularly mm. for Abby, you know, Andrew was asleep, so caught unaware, but it just seems like the attack, the way it happened on the face, no wounds on arms mentioned or hands to try protect themselves um, just makes me think that they were not, it was someone that was known to them and someone that not just that they was known to them, but they, they trusted hmm. enough to allow them close enough to attack so quickly and brutally. Yeah, that's it. And I'm sure that, like, there would have been noises as well. I mean, okay, Lizzie reckons that she was out in the shed while Andrew was getting murdered, but what about when Abby was getting murdered? Where was she then? Like, surely that's going to make a noise. Even if she couldn't scream, you would have heard her falling onto the ground. Like she was quite a large lady. Like she would have made a dud falling onto the ground. 
Um, it would have been sounds of the of the hatchet hitting her. Um, you know, like who, why did nobody hear it? Okay, Bridget was outside cleaning windows, um, but Lizzie presumably was in the house at that time. So how did she not hear anything? You know, she was painting. Yeah, yeah, maybe she was off painting whatever it is, the red room. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, so I have to agree. I think that probably she did it. Um, I I do believe that probably Bridget knew something as well. I don't know whether she was actually complicit in the in the events because I do feel like potentially um, it was a spur of the moment thing, although she would have had to have gone to go get a hatchet, obviously. But I don't know that she sort of woke up that morning knowing that she was going to go kill her parents. So, yeah, I don't know whether it was a planned out thing in that way but you know if it happened and it was just like that's it I'm going to kill this bitch and that's the end of the story you know I just find it hard to believe that Bridget wouldn't have seen something seen her like going down and finding a hatchet walking back up again reappearing with blood all over her you know like there's just so much that Bridget would have had to miss and I guess you're going to take into account as well that had Bridget come forward and said that she did it that Lizzie did it Lizzie could quite easily have turned around and said, no, it was actually Bridget that did it. Yeah. Just based on the fact that she's a upper class woman with a lot of money mm. um, and a woman of her class and her style yeah. and standing and all of that stuff could never commit such a crime. Whereas the maid. Eh. Mm. Yep. Who's going to believe who? Exactly. So I would definitely agree that Bridget either witnessed something or knew more than she was letting on yeah and I mean you got to look at the fact that she didn't stick around long after that and then goes back gets sent back to Ireland with a huge amount of cash come on yeah it says a lot really doesn't it and it's not like thank you so much for your lovely service um here's a here's some money to say thank you for all of your hard work because it certainly didn't sound like she actually cared enough about that sort of Mm-hmm. you know not going to treat her like that yeah yeah I think we have to say Lizzie did it I'm calling Lizzie did it yeah yeah yep. absolutely um look Lizzie ended up moving away after the trial um she obviously got hold of the money finally after she got her inheritance um she bought herself a nice house changed her name to Lisbeth and no doubt started living the life that she felt that she always should have Mm. Um, Emma came to live with her as well for a little while she never married but she did have a friendship um, in inverted commas with actress Nance O'Neill and would host parties for actors and actresses at her house this really scandalized Emma though because these people were like people of ill repute back then so she couldn't handle the scandal and ended up moving out so um, yeah Lizzie just sort of otherwise lived a quiet life she stayed in mostly at home. She did charity work. She ended up dying in 1927, age 67, of pneumonia. Emma died nine days later of nephritis, interestingly. Mm. I guess while she did likely do it, it just seems like it could have been, you know, a release after years of build-up, of years of abuse. You know, it sounds as though Andrew especially was quite horrible to her. So not that I condone murder, but perhaps we can understand where she was coming from, basically. Because it wouldn't be the first nor the last time that that had happened. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I think we can uh, close, the, close the book on that one. 
But everyone let us know what we think. Are we completely wrong? Is there something we've missed? Do you think that Lizzie didn't do it? Because there are there is a big Lizzie didn't do it camp out there, amazingly. Mm. Um, not that there's really any evidence to support that claim. But, you know, if you think that you know, know what we don't know, please do let us know. Come and see us on Facebook and Instagram and we'll keep on talking about it. But otherwise, we'll see everyone next week. So see you then. Bye. Bye.